This is a HeadGum Podcast. Listen, people everywhere. Oh, na, 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 hey. Get together if you care. Hey, na, 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 ho. Hey, na, 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 ho. Okay. hey. It's good. It's a good song, and it's right out of It's not as good as Say Hello to Your Friends. Say hello to your friends, baby, say that to me is better. But whoever edited this episode definitely put it at the top of... Oh, smart. Okay. The app. So you you heard it. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to stop listening to it right now. I'm going to lock in on those big brown eyes of yours. Mm. Actually, we don't normally stare each other in the eyes while we're talking, do we? These um, juicy browns. Those juicy browns. Come get a bite of these juicy browns Let's over here. introduce the show. Okay. Hey, now, 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 hey, and welcome... To the Babysitter's Club. Let's do a call and repeat. So it's, okay. it's oh, na, 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 hey. And then I say, hey, na, 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 oh. And then what? And then that's how we say it. That's how we do that. And then you say, and welcome. Okay, fine. But then I say, I say club and you say movie and I say club. Okay. All right. Oh, na, 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 hey. And hey, na, 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 oh. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. Movie. Club. We watch the movie. <laughs> we watch the movie. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. We watched the movie. <laughs> we watched the movie this week. I just watched it. I'm fresh fresh off of a watch. I watched it last night with my wife. I we watched, watched the yeah. whole thing together. I watched it with my boy. He didn't understand it. He liked all the villains. Uh, Koki Mason came on, and she was saying that the Babysitter's Club was not cool. Yeah. And he just goes, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> it's like, no, Koki Mason is not cool, dude. And then Koki Mason was Hell of cool. She was very cool. And then Christy's awesome ass dad shows up and Pat. in his fucking like yellow RV and Cyril just yeah. goes, car, car. <laughs> it's like, no, Cyril, this is a fucking bad moment for Christy. Did you notice that every time Koki Mason came on screen, there was like this musical stinger that always went, <laughs> let's get busy. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> It happened like five times. That is so cool. Kogi Mason is very cool in this. She's She has a number of my favorite lines in the movie. Let me see if I can find the one that I really loved. Oh, yeah. It's right at the end when Grace Bloom is like, like their plan is finally foiled. Like yeah. their month-long plan of destroying the BSC is foiled. And Grace Bloom goes, we wasted our whole summer. And then Kogi says, you didn't waste it. You spent it with me. You got an education. Yeah, that was good. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's an interesting thing we can do when we watch movies. Yeah. Oh, we is can just... look at the IMDb trivia. Okay. And find some gems. Okay. Stacy Lynn Ramzoner. Well, hang on. Is there a segment for it? Oh, is this a segment? Yeah. It's called. Um... Oh, you know what? You should do it. Okay. And it's called Facts with Jacks. Facts with Jacks is good. And uh... you read the trivia from the IMDb page. What about Facts for Fans with Jack and Tan? That's good, too. <laughs> and then we could both do it. That's really good. Okay, so here's my Facts for Fans with Jack and Tan. Okay. Stacy Lynn Ramzoner, a natural blonde, had to dye and perm her hair for the role of redheaded, frizzy-haired Mallory Pike. Oh, she looked great as Mallory. She was a perfect Mallory. I have a whole segment for Mallory later. Okay, great. That's good. Do what you want to do one now? Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. So I'm on the IMDb page. Luca, who is from Switzerland, says "Schuss," yeah, to Stacy's mom when leaving the house. "Schuss" is German for goodbye. German is spoken by about sixty-four percent of the Swiss. 
The film was directed by Melanie Marin, and Christie's dad was portrayed by Peter Horton. The two played a couple on the late 1980s TV show 30-something. That's from before your time, Tanner, but I remember 30-something. I remember being like, I'll never be 30-something, and now I'm not. Now you're 40-something. Okay, that's enough of that. Disgusting. Oh, this woman, like, oh, no, she's she's an actress. Melanie Marin, the director of this movie. She was on a bunch of episodes of Jane the Virgin. She's kind of a bit player on a lot of stuff. The film includes commingle parts of Babysitter's Club books and number 45, Christine the Baby Parade, true, technically true, and number 86, Marianne and Camp BSC, technically true, and Christie's books, none of which were actually written by Anne and Martin. 11 out of 12 people found that interesting, Tanner. Wow, she's done so much directing. She directed Jane the Virgin. Oh, yeah. She's directed Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. She did... Um, Something called Army Wise. She directed two episodes of 90210. Classic. I looked up a lot of the um, the actors and actresses to see where are they now. Yeah. They're all just, you know, just people now, I think, for the most part. I don't think anyone is famous. That's not true. Okay. Rachel Lee Cook is pretty famous. Is she? She, she played Marianne. Oh, well, I looked her up and I just saw that her credits are in, is that she's in the Final Fantasy movies. Is she really? Yeah. She's she's famous. She's um she was in um Josie and the Pussycats. Never heard of it. Yes, you have. She was in um She's All That. She's the she is the titular she of She's All That. I don't Do you remember know that? that? No. Nope. Are you kidding me? These are like things. These are like things that you should know. Okay. I don't know. Shyler Fisk is in things too. She played Christy. And you know Dawn, Larissa Olenek, was Alex Mack, for Christ's sake. Who's that? Oh my god, Jack. It's embarrassing that you even have to ask that. Is that from Gossip Girl? No, it's from the Nickelodeon in the late 90s. What she the... played this girl no. who had powers where she could turn into goo. Let me tell you what's not embarrassing. Is that in the late 90s, when I was a freshman in college, I wasn't watching Early 90s. Nickelodeon. Early 90s. <laughs> when you were a freshman in high school yeah i wasn't i didn't spend a lot of time watching nickelodeon i spent well, a lot of time trying to get some like sweet kind bud the woman who played dawn larissa olenek was famously the lead character of a show called the secret world of alex mack okay in which she played a young girl who's exposed to some kind of goo that gives her the powers to turn into like t1000 style like goo herself okay and that's it. Dawn's biggest regret is that she wasn't born on Earth Day. That's my that's my burn, and you just said. <laughs> so anyway, this is our new segment. <laughs> burn of the week. movie of, of the week. Yeah, and you said yours. Mine was Dawn wishes Dawn's only regret. This is Christy says it. Yeah. At five at five minutes ten seconds, Christy says, <laughs> "Why did you take the time code?" Dawn's only Her regret. Biggest regret is that she wasn't born on Earth Day. <laughs> it's good. My bird of the week is so good, and I can't believe you didn't take it. There's a lot of good burns. This is a very very good burn. It's I didn't take the time code. Does that mean it doesn't count? Yeah, you know, if people are watching along at home, well, but could you think want... whoever's editing it can maybe pull pull it from the movie? Probably pretty easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I say it? Yep. Will you listen? Mm-hmm. Here's my burn of the week. I don't know the time code. Christy is hanging out with Jackie Radowski at the camp, summer camp. Yeah. And Koki shows up 
Uh, and she says the following. Hello, Kristen. Oh, you have a date. Oh, you have a date. And I can see his age is the same as your IQ. IQ. <laughs> <laughs> He's like seven. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Cookie's kind of like a baller. She's awesome. Movie. She's great in this movie. At some point, Marianne is like, oh, it's so sad. Like, she comes over to their table, and she just, like, fucking burns the shit out of Marianne. Just incidentally. Yeah. And then and when Marianne you say she like, comes over to their table, yeah. how did she get there? Do you remember? She roller skates. She roller blades. <laughs> yes. And she's got a cool helmet that says roller blade on it. She roller blades over to their table, and then Marianne is like, she, Marianne just goes, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to yeah. cry. <laughs> she says it out loud. And then like an hour later, Marianne like has a, a comeback, and she's like, oh, Koki, your skin is looking dry. And Koki's just like, oh, that's so cute. You're trying to insult me? Yeah. Nice. Well, did there was like a a thing in there that you forgot? Yeah, which is that they the BSC pranks Cookie and Grace and this like third person who's unnamed. Yeah, I just called them both Grace Bloom. Yeah, they tell them like, oh, Logan is gonna be like mowing lawns on the golf course at like yeah. nine a.m. tomorrow, and they all go out there to be like, oh, where's Logan? I hear Logan's gonna be here, and then the sprinklers all turn on. Oh yeah. And they get all wet, and that's where that's why she asks. That's why she says Koki's skin is looking dry. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it doesn't really work because when well, because be, she got all wet. When your skin is looking wet, would make more sense, huh? Don't you think? Like if you sprayed someone with, if I sprayed you with a sprinkler, and then I was like, oh, your skin is looking a little dry, that would make no fucking sense, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh Let's Koki also okay. invites Logan to go to a Smashing Pumpkin concert. Oh, I missed that. Did you watch this fucking film? Because it sounds like you missed a lot of it. I missed some minor details because my child was watching it with me. <laughs> Koki in, like is trying to like seduce Logan the entire film. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. And she, one of the conflicts of the film is that she invites Logan to go see a Smashing Pumpkins show in Manhattan. Oh, that's so cool. And he like, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. That sounds good. Logan's kind of a dork in this movie. Logan's a dork and he's best friends with Alan Gray. Who's also a dork. That I found very implausible, just as implausible as the idea that Dawn would go out with Alan Gray. This was right, right on the strength of melancholy and the infinite sadness. Right. That's pretty this cool. This is like 95? Yeah, 95. It's like not... If I would now, as a 35-year-old man, went to a Smashing Pumpkins show and saw a couple of 13-year-old kids, mm-hmm. I would think, that's weird. And then I would think, those are the coolest 13-year-old kids yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Tanner, I feel like we owe it to the listeners of our show to tell them what happened in this film. Okay. Um, how do we do it on this? That's a good question. Um, I think the answer is that we just got to say what happened in the movie, man. I didn't write anything down, so. Well, we, I just watched it. So I can, I can say the plot and you can jump in with notes. Should we do that? A little free form? A little jazz? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Babysitter's Club is a small business in Stony Brook. They're famous in Stony Brook. We learned that. They're famous. That's what Christy says. Christy's one of the main ones. No objections so far. Yeah. They um they decide to hold a summer camp in yes. Watson, who is Chrissy's stepdad's backyard. False. Okay. It's in Dawn's backyard. Oh really? Yep. That, that I don't know why she has such an expansive backyard. I just assumed it must have been Watson's. 
I assume that too, but it is Dawn's backyard because there's a fun scene where a bunch of kids, Dawn like makes the babysitter's club swear that the kids won't go in the house. Yeah. And then they've realized that there's a whole toilet logistical issue that they failed to plan around. Richard Spear writes up like a legal contract. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So it's in Dawn's backyard. I'm glad I have you here to fact check. And they think they're going to make $7,500. Yes. Um, meanwhile, Koki Mason and Grace Bloom are determined to ruin their fun. And a third person. And a third person are determined to ruin their fun. But that's not what really ruins their fun. What really ruins their fun is, uh-oh, Patrick Thomas is back in town. Christy's dad, he's a drifter. Right. And he's back in town, and he's thinks he's going to get a job. He's got a lead on a job, and he tells Christy that she can't tell anyone that he's back. And so Christy spends the whole time, like, basically letting everyone down and being late for shit and forgetting shit because she's distracted by her dad. And, Bebe. Excuse me? The third person is called Bebe. Really? B-E-B-E. Is that from the books? It's from IMDb. Huh. That doesn't track to me. I think it's I think it's two manifestations of Grace Bloom's psyche. Yeah. No, she's called Bebe. And that's the main plot. A couple of B plots. Claudia is failing school again. And oh, and that's the, essentially the, it. Uh, no, Mrs. the lady next door, Mrs. Haberman, is a cantankerous old lady who uh, wants them to stop making noise and ruining her shit. Right. Um, but they kind of eventually make friends with her. Yep. Oh, and Luca. Luca. Well, Tanner, that is this week my. It's the hashtag that all the kids are talking about. That's right. Slurp. Put it on your Twitter. Hashtag. Immersed. Swoon. In thirst. (sighs) We say hashtag. Immersed. Swoon. In thirst. For this one. Because it's it's what. Because we want to be relatable. And it's it's like social media. It's like a hashtag. My and so um, hashtag swoon is when we talk about who made us hashtag swoon this week. For me, it was Luca. Yeah, it's interesting that the guy who made you hashtag swoon is a seventeen-year-old um, pervert who's <laughs> he's is he 17? stalking a thirteen-year-old girl, and after he discovers that Stacy is thirteen, he kisses her on the lips and says, "I'll be back next summer, and you'll be 14. Yeah, I, and she goes, "Ooh, I can't wait." It and is, I was like, "Hey, bud, you're gonna be eighteen then." I think he's sixteen. No, he's seventeen. Are you sure? He's yeah. He says he's seventeen. Okay, that's too much. Yeah, that's too far. <laughs> I think that like as as weird as it is, in uh, my memory is that in at least in early high school, it was like three years was felt to be the limit. Yeah, a three year age difference was was a lot, but felt to be the limit. He is 17, and he thinks she is 16. Yeah. She she claims to be 16 early on in the film, and yeah. then like goes out with him. He is um, Rosie Wilder's cousin from Switzerland, and he's a very hunky boy. Yeah, he's very hunky. Here's a... So I think we can agree that he's bad. He's bad. He shouldn't kiss her, because she's 13, and he is... And he shouldn't Oof. say, I'll 17. be back next summer when I'm 18, and you're yeah. 14, and then we'll do it. But he is in a band called The Dogs. Yep. And he does say to her, I don't think you're weird. I think you're beautiful. Yeah. Which is 
a nice thing to say a, to somebody when she has a diabetic attack. She has an ep- episode. Uh, but then they um, go to a club for teens in New York called The Wasteland. No, it's called Teenage Wasteland. Oh, that's awesome. Which is even better. Yeah. I this movie is so 1995. Yeah. And Stacy's dad is just like, all right, have fun, guys. Go to the club for teens? That seems yeah. fucking terrible. That it's seems a like thing. A, a den of infamy. <laughs> Teenage Wasteland is very cool. Um, if I were Stacy's dad, I would not allow my daughter to go to a teen. What do they even call it? They call it like a. It was called a teen nightclub. A teen nightclub. That's is, bad. Is that a thing? Yeah, I, that's my question. A teen. I, sir, we nightclub. certainly didn't have them in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know what you do have just, in Fort Collins, Colorado? Christy's dad, because that's where he slunk back off to. Oh yeah. Yeah, Christy. Let's talk about Christy's dad for a little bit. He's hiding something. Well, he's also uh, my hashtag swoon this week. No, oh, he's very handsome. He's very good looking and powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Because I don't know Charming. if you noticed this. Yeah. But in a couple of those tight shots, mm-hmm. in a couple of those tight profile shots, yeah, you get a good look at his ear. Mm-mm. Old closed up piercing hole. Oh, really? In the left ear. Nice catch. Not the right ear, just the left ear. So Wow. There's some economy of whole stuff going on with old Pat. Yeah, I love that. Thomas. Um Okay, so here I have a way that I want uh, want to get into talking about Patrick Thomas because I think he is the central focus of this movie. I think they handled it well. They've he has been absent from basically every single Babysitters Club book except in the form of postcards and in the form of one super special where we briefly meet him. And then he never, like, that's it. In BSC in the USA. So I was wary of how this movie was going to handle this thing that Anne, in her wisdom, has chosen to leave out. Yeah. But he he really is what makes the movie go. And his story parallels one of the supernatural elements of this film. Okay. The Jimmy Tony. Oh, sure. Saga. Jimmy Tony. And Jimmy yeah, yeah. Tony, I smelled the influence of the Leviathan here because Jimmy Tony is not something that was just made up for this movie. It is from book number 45, Christie and the Baby Parade. Okay. Nina Marshall has a invisible friend called Jimmy Tony. Called Jimmy Tony. That's canon. Okay. Um, and it's scary. Um, Nina Marshall is constantly like she shows up to the camp and she's like, "Oh, can I get a ticket for Jimmy Tony too?" And they're like, "We can't see him." And he, but he's like this presence. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, when's when's he coming?" And she turns to him and she says, "Jimmy Tony, they're wondering when you're going to come." Yeah, so that's scary. And then at some point, once Christie's dad has fully ensconced himself in Christie's life and things start going off the rails for her, Jimmy Tony disappears. Yes. So I think that what Jimmy Tony represents here is absence. Okay. Jimmy Tony is the embodiment of absence, and Christie's dad is the embodiment of absence in her life because his absence is the is the real thing, even though his presence in the movie seems like it's real to her. Right. I just thought that was a really powerful and interesting choice that they made, and also terrifying and and scary. So the, the Jimmy Tony. Yeah. Can only exist when Pat Patrick Thomas, Thomas is gone because is gone. Jimmy Tony is the embodiment of the absence, the hole, the void that Patrick has left in Christie's life. But then when Jimmy Tony shows up, 
Like when, sorry, when Jimmy Tony disappears, Christy's dad right. is there. Because I was wondering, because it seems as though Christy's dad is running from and hiding from something. Like, he shows up in town. He yeah. lies. He says he's, he's there for a job. No one can know. No one can know. He's, yeah. He says he's staying at the Strathmore Inn, but then ends up, it turns out that he's staying in his, like, beater VW bus. Right. In, like, a campground. He's got and a lead second, on a job. He's got a lead on a job. And the second everyone figures out, as, as the second his secret is out, the second Chrissy's like, I'm going to tell mom that you're here, he's he's in the wind. Right. And I always thought it was probably like some born identity shit, but I'm wondering if he's being like menaced by these invisible presences. Oh, that's likely. That they follow him wherever he goes. Right. So he is doing a good or thing. Or he follows them. <gasps> what if he's like a ghost hunter? He is a ghost hunter. Right. That's what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. Ghosts are exceedingly rare, but also extremely dangerous in this universe. Right. And he he got a bead on this spectral presence in Stony Brook called Jimmy Tony. Right. And he was dispatched to come to Stony Brook and deal with Jimmy Tony. Right. Which is why, as soon as he shows up, Jimmy Tony disappears. Right. And then as soon as Jimmy Tony's gone, he's off. He's off to Denver, where he heard about a, a new presence. Well, you should be worried, because don't you have family in Colorado? Yeah, but I don't have to worry about it, because back in 1995, <laughs> Patrick Thomas you know what? took care of it. I just thought of, hmm. in a lot of ways, Yeah, this movie is a prequel. Interesting. To the hit Netflix original, Spectral. Spectral, about soldiers fighting ghosts. Ghosts. And it's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. That has a lot of resonance with these books and is probably based on these books. I think Pat is probably one of these spectral soldiers who wears the fun glasses and shoots ghosts. That's great. Well, I see him in a different light. It seems like the movie is trying to paint him as a bad guy. No. But no. Well, he does abandon his daughter on her birthday. Yeah, but for such a good reason. Yeah, he had to get to Denver because there was a spectral outbreak. Yeah. Okay, well, good. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Um, I liked him. I thought he was very handsome and cool. Um, I thought he was very cool. Uh, I liked him. He's charming. I wish he... I I do feel like I felt Christie's pain in this way that like I felt like I was being abandoned by him a second time. Yeah. When she gets left at the... Left at the fucking... Oh. Amusement park. Actually, that is one of my two... Tearful moments. I didn't have any, so I'll just kind of. You didn't have a tearful moment. Sit back in the cut. Nah. Okay. There are two moments that made me genuinely cry in this in this movie. One is where Christy goes, like, is waiting. Her dad says, like, we'll be able to, we'll tell everybody that I'm back. It is weird. It's like this, like, secret relationship. Like, we'll don't tell anyone about that I'm back, and then like. Okay, fine. We'll tell everybody. I'll, I'll show up at your birthday party, and then he doesn't. And she's like, "Oh, I must have got it wrong. Maybe he wanted me to meet him at the yeah at the at, at like Sal's Funland, yeah, the amusement park that that he always said he wanted to take me on a ride on. And then so she goes. He there. wanted to take her on a ride called the Monster, yeah. which it it the movie made it seem the, like the monster was a Ferris wheel. Interesting. There was like a big Ferris wheel that was moving slightly faster than normal, but not very fast. And there was a big sign called the monster pointing right at the Ferris wheel. Do you think it's possible that the monster is like, it's just a ride where your dad abandons you? 
oh yeah and that and that's that's it that's what the amusement park is yeah it's like you just have to confront your abandonment issues yeah it's like this is genuinely it's like you think that if you want to be scared like if you're sick of roller coasters and shit you want to really be scared come to sal's fun land and meet yeah. the monster <laughs> your dad's gonna abandon you in the rain the your dad the the monster is the absence yeah in your life of pat of a paternal role model that's the scariest ride of all but so he abandons her she misses the surprise party that they're gonna throw for her it starts to rain she walks home in the rain and then this fucking car shows up this old beat-up clown car shows up yeah and she's like oh great a car is gonna splash me and it stops and the doors are open and it's all seven members of the bsc and luca and And they're all wearing them because he's an adult stupid hats Yeah, they were all at their greenhouse. Oh, that's a whole subplot we didn't get to. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I have another. Here's my other tearful moment. That's my my pure tearful moment. Okay, uh, they do a rap. Yep, about the they do a rap for Claude, system. baby nation. If you haven't seen this, you got to see it. It's great. They do a rap for her where we'll Claude is going to fail her science test, and they all like write and perform a rap about the body so that she yeah. won't forget it the only part i remember is the chorus which is do you think that's where um insane in the membrane came from probably you think this is i freely yeah i think so insane in the membrane the brain the center of the chain it's the same rhythm. Yeah. But so they do this rap for Claudia and she's like, oh, that's sweet. And then her science test is the next day. If she fails a science test, she has to go to summer school. And she's like looking at the multiple choice and she can't remember anything. And the whole like she you can see her starting to panic. And then like in the background, all the other BSC members in the class start tapping their pencils on the desk. To yeah, the, yeah, yeah. to the rhythm of the brain, the brain, the center of the chain, yeah, and it jogs in her memory. And you can hear these like these haunting whispers yeah. doing the brain, the brain, the center <laughs> of the chain rap, yeah. And then her she brightens and she's like, "I've got this." Yeah. I imagine she, she probably, passes. Yeah. I don't know what that test was that there were questions that's like, what is the center of the chain? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the brain. <laughs> and, this one. Going, stepping back for a second, there's yeah. like so many things that Anne and the director, whose name I forgot, mm-hmm. confirmed for us in this film. Yeah. And one of them was involved, it, w- it involved Sal's Funland amusement park. Yeah. And that's when Pat abandons Christy. A big storm comes in, and they put they put an announcement up on the loudspeakers. They're like, "Oh, th- by the way, a huge storm is coming in. Everyone needs to leave right now. We're closing the park." Yeah, and Christy is reluctant to leave because she thinks her dad's going to show up any minute. And they close the park with her still in it, and she's yeah. locked in. Lock her and in. She, she like is getting blown around by the wind, and she finds she like stumbles into the carousel. Right, and while she's there, she's menaced by this orchestra of living dolls oh interesting there it's like the the organ for the carousel ex- except they're all these like little wooden dolls who are all animated like they move and they're all terrorizing her and there's this like menacing music playing as the carousel goes around and around she can't escape 
That was an interesting choice by the director. To be like, we got to put dolls in here somehow. There has to be living dolls in here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be the most tense and scary moment of the film. Yeah. And then she hops a fence and leaves. Yeah. I can't, like, I, I would love to see the fucking, like, pitch doc for this movie. It's like, right. oh, it's based on this book for teenage girls. Uh, it's about this club of babysitters that come together to fight an army of living dolls and the ghost from Spectral, but the right. real monster is paternal abandonment. Right. Whew. It's like, I'm I'm John Paramount, and I'm like, <laughs> where's up. my green light? <laughs> was this, this one was greenlit by John Paramount himself? I assume so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I saw at the top, it said a Scholastic production. Do you think they've done any more productions, Scholastic, or is this it? I mean, after, if if this is like what they're working with, I fucking hope so. Uh, I love um, this. I I loved this movie. It was great. I thought I that too. casting was fucking amazing. This casting they looked, was great. They looked like the girls, and they acted like the girls. Yeah, Stacy was obnoxious. Yeah, Don was obnoxious. Christine was cool. Marianne was, was obnoxious. Mallory yeah. was cool. Claudia was fucking great. Jesse was like nobody. Jesse ba- barely she had was a around. speaking part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't like, write much of a role for Jesse. Jesse, Jesse's role was just to be like, "What?" <laughs> Elizabeth was exactly who I thought she'd be. Watson was exactly who I thought he'd be. Yeah, Lo- the the only problem was the male characters. Logan and and um, Alan were completely uncharacteristic. Yeah, uh, Luca had a much bigger role in this. Luca is is a is a is a handsome. Swede or is he Swiss? Swiss, and he he has a star turn in this movie. He's problematic because he's way too old. Mm-hmm. Um, though I he guess he does kissing on young girls. He does kissing on young girls, and it's like I think he didn't do the math. He didn't do the math because he was like he was like, well, uh, the good news is next summer I will be back, and you will be fourteen. And it's like, yeah, yeah. D- dog, but you're gonna be older too. You're you're gonna be eighteen then. Like which nothing, makes you nothing, a literal adult will ever stop you but, from being four years apart in age. Yeah, N- like nothing. and eventually that won't matter, but it really matters right now. Yeah, yeah. When you are an eighteen-year-old adult and she's a fourteen-year-old minor, yeah, that's gonna really matter. Yeah. Um. So back off, Luca. Back off, Luca. Uh, I want to talk about. We've been talking about these, the casting. We've been talking about some of the credits, and I want to talk about the writing credits. But first, uh-huh. I think we should take a break. Okay, because I have to pee. Okay, you don't have to talk about it. It's cool. It's cool to just say, "Let's take a break." Okay. Okay. Goodbye. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> Oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, BetterHelp, uh, where we help evil betters to... um, Make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, Like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, 
BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use. It's entirely online and they are super flexible. So it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. Here's my question. Okay. This film mm-hmm. was written by two writers. Yes. Writers Guild of America writers. Yes. Okay. And Matthews Martin. Mm-hmm. Parentheses book. Parentheses book. Interesting. Darlene Young. Parentheses written by. Okay. Is Darlene Young mm-hmm. now a ghostwriter? Official BSC ghostwriter. I think that that depends, Tanner, on whether we consider this movie to be canon. According to the trivia page on IMDb, mm-hmm. it is an amalgamation of several BSC. But that's fucking bullshit. That's bullshit because it's not like Marianne and Camp BSC and it's not like Christy and the Baby Parade, except that it shares a few superficial elements in common, such as the fact that Nina Marshall shows up with her fucking terrifying spectral friend, Jimmy Tony. Right. But like Marianne and Camp BSC, you read it. Is this like that? No. Yeah, sure. They They have have a camp. It's not like this, though. But it's not like this. And they have a fucking camp. They have some version of a camp every fucking time. That's like... I find this obnoxious. Whoever, the, I want the, If I could find the person who wrote that IMD trivia fact and the 11 out of 12 people who found it helpful, right? I would hunt them down and kill them and put them in their fucking graves because what they don't understand is that in every single BSC book, there's some kind of a parade or they have a camp. Like, Christy has an idea to have a camp for babies. It's not yep. interesting yep. that this movie shares what this movie is about is Christy's dad who never shows up except in BSC in the USA. Right. Which this has nothing in common with. Can I read you? So I agree. I yeah. think this woman is... And you agree that those people should be murdered. Hunted the 11 down and murdered. Out of, hunted down and murdered. The 11 out of 12 people who liked the comment and the person who wrote the comment. Right. So that's 12 I'm going to go back to... Well, we don't want to create more ghosts. Well, that's what's going to happen if you... Like, it's just going to make Pat Thomas like even busier. <laughs> yeah, okay, well... All right, but I just and want- that's why that's why this book is a prequel because ghosts are rare in 1995. Yeah, but if we keep hunting down and killing people, right, they're going to proliferate and we're going to have a spectral. We're going to have a spectral situation. That's how it starts. I'm going to refer back to IMDb to make my case against Darlene. Okay, okay. and I'm going to go to the goofs section. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was a goof section in the film. Okay, Luca calls Rosie Rosaline. Mm-hmm. 
In the novels, her real name is stated as Mary Rose. And that's a goof. Strike one. <laughs> You're obviously not reading the character Bibles. Right. Yeah, Pete obviously wasn't invited somehow to help with this one. In the film, it is revealed that Christy is turning 13 years old. Mm-hmm. In the novels, Mallory Pike and Jesse Ramsey would not be club members yet since they did not join the club until after Christy turned 13. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So that's strike two against you, Darlene. If and I can find one more strike, you are out. That's a good goof. In one scene, Marianne and Chrissy are seen walking back from camp. In the novels, the camp would have been at Marianne's house because she lived with her father, Richard Spear, and Don's mother, Sharon Schaefer. So they would would not have had to walk. Marianne would not have had to walk home. It was home. Right. Okay. And this was this was Don's house, which is <laughs> also which is also Sharon's house. I'm starting to feel like whoever's job it is to write goofs for IMDb. Like wrote two good goofs for Babysitters Club, and then they were like, "Oh God, the boss is going to kill me." I only found two. <laughs> no, they found three. That's that's legit. Marianne is Dawn's sister. They she would not have to walk home. Okay, from she's a little pedantic. Camp. Okay. Okay. How about this? In one scene, Stacy's hair alternates from straight to curly depending on the shot. That's a goof. Okay, and that's that's on Darlene. That's on Darlene. Okay, so let's let's. What do we know about Darlene? Wait, she's, what's her name? Her name is Darlene Young. Here's what I know about her. She was born in 1939, so she is a very elderly lady. Uh, that's funny, because her name's Darlene Young. <laughs> uh-huh. She's written a whole lot of shit. Okay. Just a whole lot of shit, and none of it, absolutely none of it is familiar to me. Okay. And they're all TV movies. Okay. Jonathan, the boy nobody wanted. The people across the lake. Um, Cab to Canada, Silk Hope. Wow. Her most recent credit is Miss Letty and Me, a 2002 TV movie starring Burt Reynolds and Mary Tyler Moore, that I think probably debuted on like Lifetime. Well, so let's see it. Let's look at what she had done that got her this gig. They looked at her resume and they were like, "You wrote the Yarn Princess." Well, here's something. Her first credit. 1976, Dawn, oh, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. Yeah, there it is. That's it. You think that's probably it? Yeah, they, she's already written a Dawn. And then the, her second credit is Alexander, The Other Side of Dawn. Oh, okay. Which I assume is someone Dawn meets in the California yeah. Diary books. Yeah, so she's she just... Oh, and look at that. Third one, Panic in Echo Park. Right. Echo Park is in California. That's probably a Don thing as well, right? Right. So she's just intimately familiar with the the life and work of Don Schaefer. So she's like a uh, Doniac. She's a Doniac, and that's what got. And she was like, Tanner, she's writing about Don in 1976. Her name is not Darlene Young. It's Daylene Young. Oh wait. Oh, you're right. <laughs> My mind just refused to read that correctly. Daylene Young. Is Daylene. Very cool. Daylene, 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 Daylene. That's good. That's what we sing when we talk about her um, her work as a ghostwriter on the BS. Anyway, given that she struck out hard yeah. on the Goose page, I think we cannot in good give conscience mm-hmm. give her an honorary ghostwriter title. Okay. Sorry, Daylene. Tanner, can I 
ask you one more question about the uh, one other occult thing that maybe happens in this book? Yes. I want to ask you this question. I want to. Okay. I want you to listen carefully. Yes. And I want you to consider it seriously before you dismiss it. Okay. And I, I want to say that I'm agnostic on it. I'm willing to take no. For, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm willing to take <clears throat> no for an answer, but not, not a closed-minded no. Not a dismissing it out of hand. Okay. Does Tanner? Yep. Does the magic owl trap Cokie Mason's boots in cement? Magic owl. You say owl? Yeah, owl. A magic owl. Yeah. Traps Cokie and Bebe and Grace and Grace Bloom. Blooms boots in cement. Yeah. Huh. I'll just Now I'm keeping an open mind yeah. and I'm open to this discussion. Yeah. But I will admit I'm a little lost. I did not I was paying pretty close attention, taking yeah. notes. Did not notice a magic owl. Okay. Well, you're gonna I don't know I there's no way to I we won't be able to put the audio in because it's a very visual moment, but towards the end of the book, Koki and Grace and Filmed. Oh fucking hell. Towards the end of the film, <laughs> Koki and Grace and Bebe um decide that they're gonna have a little fun and vandalize and destroy the babysitter's clubhouse. Yeah, we should say that they're fixing up a historic greenhouse to be their clubhouse. Yeah, fucking Daylene. That didn't happen in Christian the Baby Parade. Strike four. Strike fucking four. Yeah. You're extra out. Also, Emily Haberman's nobody. They decide to fix up this clubhouse, and Koki and Grace and Bebe just fucking destroy it. Right. Um, it's horrible. They cover it in toilet paper. But haha, last laughs on them. And shaving cream. Because they when when they're finished throwing the toilet paper and shaving cream, they all step in wet cement, and then the movie cuts to a uh, owl. Yeah. Who like uh, turns his little head all the way around to us? To us. The eyeballs the camera. Yeah. And there's like a little music stinger, and then yeah. they're. Boots are stuck in cement. Oh, yeah, right, but this is really wet cement. And they yeah. have to leave. They're all stuck. And then it is turns. The music stinger. Um, let's get busy. <laughs> yeah, probably. And then it turns to the magic owl again. <laughs> I just don't understand why they showed this owl unless the owl did it. I think maybe the owl is important. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot at play yeah. in this universe. I just wouldn't put it past Daylene to be like, well, it doesn't make sense. Like, because cement, there's no way that cement would dry so quickly as to, right. like, to it's wet when you put your feet in, but then, like, within a minute, it's dry. Unless a magic owl did it. Unless the magic owl did it. I believe it. She's committed to her craft. I'm What I'm worried about is that we haven't been, <sighs> this kind of gets back into a larger thing. It's like, is this canon is this the same universe is this a shared universe with the bsc i'm not sure the bsc novels i'm not sure it is i don't know i hope it's not because we have not been keeping a careful eye out for magic owls in the text no and i'm sure they're in there well i don't i hope they're not i mean they my, my point is i guess if they are in there we didn't know to look out for them this is not on us that's so that you can't put that on us right and i hope you wouldn't it took daylene to like draw our attention to the magic owl which you can only really do visually i think it would be too conspicuous if Anne was like wait did you say Anne, or did you mean as we often call her the little night owl yeah we do call her that that's one of her many epithets right? yeah yes huh 
Maybe it was a nod to Anne. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I I'm fascinated by it, and I wish there were more of well, these let movies. Me, let me um, read you this passage from Christie and the Worst Kid Ever, book number sixty-two, uh, about uh, Lou McNally. Loom, Lou. Okay, it sounded like you said Loom. She's talking about her absent father. Sometimes we'd go for night walks. He taught me about the Big Dipper and Orion. He could for a night walk. He could hoot like an owl. Oh, right. Sometimes an owl would answer him. That's the magic owl. I mean, that's the night owl. I'll admit now that what I've done is I've just searched my notes for owl, my historical notes for the word owl. But it seems like it's in there. Yeah. It seems like it's in these books. (sighs) Now I feel like we need to start over and like keep an eye out for this fucking magical owl. Has he been there the whole time? Yes, I think almost certainly. And I'm Maybe this is the story of this magical owl who's like helping these enchanted young women like make it through life um well should we um reread the books and start from the beginning let's reread the books because i think the whole thing the whole project is is nullified by this i think there are two underlying pulsing veins Mm -hmm. running through the throbbing shaft that is this series of books okay do you want to would you like to rethink the metaphor i liked it it sounded good and i'd hate to interrupt your flow but i'm worried about the metaphor okay okay yeah i think there's two mm-hmm. pulsing no, pulsing is not the right word i think there are two throbbing veins okay. arteries mm-hmm. one of them is an owl mm-hmm. and the other one is to be tbd okay but there are two throbbing veins mm-hmm. arteries mm-hmm. in this powerful mm-hmm. erect Nessent? member okay that is the Babysitter's Club. Okay. All right. Well, I, I could just One like... on either side of the the hard, powerful member of this series of novels and film. Okay. I just, I'll, I want to note for the record that it, it kind of felt like you doubled down on the metaphor rather than kind of pulling back from it and finding another more palatable one. Oh, I guess I didn't know what your note... I, I guess I didn't... I didn't know what your note meant. Well, the note was that you were... Like, it was good... You said, do you want to find another way to say that? And I thought you meant, yeah, I want more. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I can understand why you would think that. Well, we're here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One of them is this magical owl. Right. That we've missed the the entire time. Totally missed it. But the other is, and this is actually going to make the the metaphor even more potent, Mm. bread. Yes. And bread made an appearance in this film and right. i know apparently you were too busy caring for your young son yeah to really pay close attention to this film so i'm not going to ask if you caught it i'm just going to tell you what happened yeah please christy and marianne have a cookout at pat's vw bus mm. and pat makes christy's mom's famous pancakes pancakes yeah and Jack, what is a pancake if not bread? It's like I would it's a pancake. Right? It's a it's bread. Okay. And if you were paying close attention, you would notice that there was a very brief insert shot. Mm. Very brief. Okay. Of said pancakes mm. made on Pat's tiny little VW bus. He's so cool. And they were very distinctly and very obviously in the shape of sperm. Okay. Okay, now and I see. I, think, I see the metaphor now. I think what Anne was trying to tell us is that bread is life. Bread is life. Yeah, 
I think she was very subtly a- Anne and Daylene. Yeah. We're very subtly trying to signal us like boys you're on the right path. Brad is life. The universe is controlled by magic owls and Brad is life. Brad is life. What a powerful message. It was very brief. It was you um you blink and you miss it, but it was there. Wow. You know, and it's like that. Yeah. Those are the crumbs. You know, that's all I need to keep going. That's all I need to sustain myself. That's all I need to like reaffirm my faith. That's right. In bread theory, the brain, the brain, the center of the chain. The bread, the bread, the center of the. Well, you would have to say Ched. Ched. Yeah, we'll work on it. Wow. Anyway, it's it was it really struck me. Yeah. If I may, Tanner. May. If I may, I'm no scientist mm-hmm. but i know that about you when i look at sperm i just wish we found a different metaphor but i'm no scientist yeah but when i cast my baby blues onto a, a bit a big throbbing member yeah and just and look for the veins yep i i see one pulsing vein on the left side and that's the owl that's the owl <laughs> yep. and i see one pulsing vein on the right side that's, That's the, bread. the bread. Yep. But I if but I keep looking. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm following you so far. And there's a third pulsing third vein, vein right down the center in the shaft of this yeah. series of films and books. Yeah. Let me read you this passage, Tanner. It's something that Mrs. Haberman says. It's the first thing that Mrs. Haberman says. She okay. turns to Dawn and she says, do you happen to know what little buzzy insects and small children have in common? What okay. a strange question to ask, Mrs. Haberman. What a strange question to ask. What do they have in common? They're I would annoying. say nothing. Yeah. I would say nothing. One is bees, and the other is small children, but not in this universe, because no. they have a lot in common, and it's a yeah, good the question The next line is, everything. everything. Yeah. Is what she says. Everything. All things. All things. Yeah, because this was the first I'm una- movie. I'm unable to, to to distinguish the two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yet another throbbing, pulsing vein. Yeah. In this great shaft. Mm-hmm. They're all bees. They're all bees. Bread is I just life. think this was a love letter to us, man. Yeah. This Beautiful. wasn't. It wasn't even the only thing. There was another blink and you miss it moment. They're packing up Claudia's room to go move to this greenhouse. Yeah. And very distinctly, I had to pause and rewind. And Jamie's like, what are you doing? I was like, keep an eye on Marianne. Because they're all packing boxes and having a chit-chat. And Marianne very clearly picks up and packs a wandering frog person. What? She puts it right in the box. She just grabs her frog and puts it in the box? God, I yep. wish we I guess we'll put it all on the Facebook page. We'll find put screenshots. Put it all on the Facebook page, all these screenshots. That's it's hard to s- talk about films because like, there's so much visual... That's so something I'm learning about films. I didn't go to film school like you, but I'm yeah. now learning that there's so much it's very visual. visual. Yeah, uh, it's a really, really visual medium. Yeah, um, that's fascinating. She grabs a frog and puts it in a box. Huh? It's not just a frog; it's like a frog person. Wow, it's distinctly a frog person. Also, at one point, Mrs. Haberman, Dawn, and Mrs. Haberman become friends. Yes, and she's like, "What's your name?" And Dawn's like Dawn, and she says Dong. Yeah. <laughs> no Dawn, Dawn, <laughs> Dong. That's like barely a joke. She does like <laughs> confirm. She's like Dong. 
was. As though she misheard her and thought maybe she said dong. Ms. Haberman is a, is a fraught character. Yeah, she's she's bad. At some point, Cokie Mason in this book just walks up to Logan and squeezes his arm and says, nice muscle. Yeah. I thought that was <laughs> muscle. <great. laughs> it works on him. Yeah, Logan is like a dork in this book. He's like not hashtag swoon in any yeah, way. Yeah, no, he's not cool at all. He does like do a pretty bad Kentucky accent <laughs> at first, and he, then he drops. He it. just drops it. Yeah, <laughs> understandable. That's tough. Yeah, um, I have one thing that I I really need to kind of own up to. Okay, and it's really tough for me to admit. Yeah, um, I feel like I need to eat crow a little bit. We do. There is one scene <clears throat> where Christy is dodging Elizabeth. Mm. We get a brief glimpse at Emily and Michelle, who's very cute. Yeah. Uncredited. Yeah. Jamie noticed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is hard. <laughs> okay. Do you want, you want, <sighs> you, is there a way I can help you? <clears throat> I think I can do this. I'm here for you. Do you want me to, I could play like some soft music or something, get you more comfortable? Christy is visibly upset because she's hiding the fact that her father's in town. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth is probing, wondering where Christy is going. Mm-hmm. She wants to comfort her daughter. <laughs> yeah, understandably. And she says, Christy, look at Nanny's tomatoes. They're huge. This year she's singing them show tunes. They're a lot bigger than that year she was singing them torch songs. Want to try one? <laughs> Nanny. Not Nani. Well, it's possible that she's mispronounced. The actress is mispronouncing. She might be mispronouncing it. That's yeah. good. That's actually probably accurate, yeah. right? I mean, I don't think so. Because if you were to say, if you were to, it was if it was pronounced Nanny, it would be spelled N A N N Y. That is how it's spelled. No, it's pronounced. It's spelled N A N N I E. Okay. Well, look. It, there's only one person who can solve this for us, for certain, and until. We finally get on M. Martin, yeah, to weigh on in the show. on the show. Like if on can, never, I can probably shows up, get an email to her. Yeah, it would be our one and only opportunity to ever contact Anne. But this does. Feel oh, do you say Anne? Because I've been saying on. You say on. Yeah. yeah no, I see. Yeah. <sighs> wow, you were, that was that's what we call in the business a self own, self own of the week. Starring Tanner Greenring. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Is someone knocking at the door? There's someone. Jack, someone's knocking at the door. It actually sounds like you're knocking at your desk. It's not. It's the door. What door? Creek. <laughs> oh, I actually walked into that fa- way faster than I wanted to. Mallory's menswear closet. Mallory killing it this week. This is a segment where we talk about the menswear that Mallory is wearing, which was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking great. She looks awesome. She, I, I, Mallory's my favorite in this movie. Claudia was dressed like a girl, normal yeah. girl. Mallory was wearing the wildest shit she in this movie. Cr- she, I feel like she even had like a briefcase. She's just just dressed as like biz, like a businessman. Except it's all like clashing colors. It yeah. was like a lot of like olives and like reds. Yeah. And like she would be wearing like a bright red shirt and like an olive bow tie. <laughs> Mallory, she was wearing yeah. a tie in almost every single scene. 
It's fucking great. And she like she has a self-confidence in this movie that she doesn't have in the books. I love the Mallory character in the movie. She looks just like I expected her to. She's writing a novel about diphtheria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she keeps bringing it up. She keeps bringing it up. At some point, at some point like Christy Marianne is being insufferable and Mallory's just like, "I'm sorry, I have to go finish my novel." <laughs> yeah, it's a novel about the first nurse in America. Yeah. Great. I love it. Her outfits are on point the entire time. She's she looks so great, cool looking. Yeah, Mallory is awesome. I don't know who did the costumes for this movie, but they fucking nailed it. It's like uncanny. Claudia like is whatever, but like Marianne is dressed like a little prep the entire time, which is yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's per- Marianne is. Christy like, is wearing her like the Marianne in this uniform. movie made me finally understand Marianne more. Yeah, it, like put it all together for me. It's like oh, I yeah. get I get it now. Yeah. Stacy was dressed like a sophisticated young woman the entire time. Yes. The costumer of this movie is the real like hero of this this film. Yeah, we should find out who that is. Here's the thing that Mallory says. Christy has a boyfriend, asks Stacy. The world must be flat, says Mallory. Introducing <laughs> flat earth theory apropos of nothing. We're talking she about whether this. Christy has a boyfriend or not. And then Mallory just throws that in there and that's where it started. Costume designed by Susie DeSanto. Oh, i That's our costume designer. Listening. Yeah. Susie DeSanto. Let's look her up. What else has she done? Okay, she did the costumes for the TV series Dirty John based on the True Crime podcast. She did the costumes for Nashville. She's known 110 for, episodes. She's known for her work on White Oleander. I have a very tangential story about White Oleander if you'd like to hear it. Oh my god, she's like a very prolific costumer. She did 13 going on 30. She did the the Miss Congeniality. She did I am Sam. Would she's you... like she's been around the the block. Tell me your white oleander story. Have I told it to you before? It's like not is it a fun story cuz wasn't it like a brutal murder? I was on a plane once and they thought there was a bomb on it. Okay. And so they got these fighter jets and they flew alongside the plane and Where were you going? I was flying from London to D.C. Okay. And they escorted the plane back to the tarmac. And we waited on the tarmac for like two hours. And it turned out it was a scare. But when I got off the plane, I was the first person off the plane. And like the Fox News was there. Okay. And they shoved a microphone in my face. And they were like... Can you tell us can you tell us anything about what it was like as you were like flying down to the tarmac being escorted by those two fighter jets? And I said, I don't know, I was watching White Oleander. <laughs> 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 and they didn't use the footage. That's too bad. Yeah. But anyway, it turns out this lady is the fucking Susie DeSanto. Susie DeSanto is like my new favorite Hollywood costume designer. Yeah, she it's Miss Congeniality, What Lies Beneath, what a great movie. Can we count her as a baby? A new yes. No, no, no. Susie DeSanto's. Of course, she went on to great things. Daylene, you're out. Susie DeSanto, you're in. You're in. I love Mel in this movie. I I loved everyone in this movie. It was a masterpiece. It's a good movie. Watson was a little harsh. Yeah, for my taste. But Tra- uh, Jackie's in it. He doesn't really have many. Yeah, tracking, not, tracking they, worthy moments. They refer to him as the walking disaster, but he doesn't really have any disasters. He never travels through time. He, in fact, has a pretty baller moment where he uses a shovel to 
belt a kickball at Koki Mason and knocks her out of a tree and into the garbage. Hell yes. Which is cool as hell. That's the kind but of But it was like, yeah. it was not, it was well coordinated. It's very, very good. Um, yeah, and that's how the film ends. I think I'm running out of notes. My only other note is that at one point there's a montage where Christy makes up flyers for the, the summer camp. Yeah. And they're going around town handing them out and Claudia goes to like a stoner record shop and there's a dude who's like clearly in his like late 20s and has a ponytail and he's like a stoner burnout type dude. Yeah. And she hands him one and he happily accepts it. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out which canonical dad of Stony Brook that could possibly be. I, it's not Prezioso. No. This guy was way too much of like a scrub. Um it's it's impossible. Like I don't like there's none of, none of the dads of Stony Brook are described as like burnout loser stoners. Are they? You you have a better memory than I do for this stuff. I'm trying to think of what other kids there are. There's the Marshalls. There's, it's definitely not Mr. Pike. What about the Mancusis? I feel like it's probably the Mancusis. Aren't they like they're like, Mr. they have like they're a, like animals. they're like animal hoarders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they eat them. Yeah. That that's a deep cut. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. This dude know. was just like happy to take away. He's like, oh, kids camp? Cool. Yeah, you bet. Maybe he wanted to go himself. Um, what the fuck, Daylene? You could pick from any fucking Babysitter's Club novel to inspire you for to bring these women to life, and you choose Marianne and Camp BSC? I mean, it's pretty, it's like It's set nothing. It's set piece. That heavy. novel is nothing. I'll say it now. I didn't say it when we were discussing it. That novel is nothing. It's got one thing and it's set pieces. There's a camp. That's good though. That's easy to that's you know what that's easy to do? Put up in a back lot in Hollywood somewhere. Yeah. There were also all these like insert shots of uh Luca and Stacy like taking a cab through the streets of New York City that were like very clearly this like stock art of like some 1950s cab, like yeah. going up and down the streets of New York City. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And then it would like hard cut to them on like a soundstage in in Hollywood somewhere. I love that they go to New York. Tanner, I love this book. Film. I, God damn it, I cannot. I love this movie. I love the rap. I yeah. love the characters. I love the incredible costume design by Susie DeSanto. Yes, me too. Susie, you're a queen. Um, I loved talking about this movie with you but it is time for us to leave okay um i would like to thank everybody who has listened to this for bearing with us i would not like to thank the academy for snubbing this film yeah snubbing the great work of susan DeSanto. the insane insane she should have like what is there do they do one for costumes yeah yeah well retroactively it should be maybe she's won one let me look Maybe she has. Wouldn't let's that be her, cool? Let's write her a letter. Be like, you got robbed. <gasps> let's have her on the show. <laughs> okay. I bet she's cool. We'll do a whole Claudia's Closet length show. Awards, awards, awards. Yeah. She's been nominated for an Ace Award. For, for something called Club? Uncle's Uncle Tom's Cabin. Something called. <laughs> a TV movie called Uncle, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm-hmm. She's been nominated for three costume designers guild awards for two for nashville okay and one for white oleander oh there you go (laughs) that's fun 
Um, I'd like to. It occurs to me that um, the murder I was thinking of earlier was Black Dahlia. Oh yeah, that's a classic. And White Oleander is a completely different thing. It's a bummer of a movie, but um, it looks like it's a movie about four blonde ladies. Yeah, I don't think it's good. I would like to thank Susan DeSanto, Baby Nation. Please, for the love of God, if you haven't already. Go to patreon.com slash podcast and sign up for our whole other show that we do that's very good. Yeah, we gave you a little bit of taste with yeah. Bethany Bethany. It's Buck good. It's week. fun. Everybody's having a blast. Uh, it's a great way to support us and also get an entire new show from us about the Babysitter's Club universe. And we really appreciate everybody who has already signed up. We're having a lot of fun over there. Jack. Yes. Baby Nation. Yes. Please buy our merch. Mm-hmm. Bit.ly slash BSCC merch. Yep. Lovingly designed by Baby B. John at Vox Double on Twitter. Jack, mm-hmm. what the fuck are we doing next week, man? Nobody knows. Tough to say. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, this week, have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. And I will leave you this week with a sign-off that is announced at the beginning of this film. As Jesse Ramsey's motto, it's the only significant thing that Jesse Ramsey does in this movie, but it is a beautiful and wonderful way to live your life. Baby Nation, why walk when you can dance? Beautiful. Are we human or are we dancer? Are we human? (laughs) Or are we dancers? Now now do do the, um, I guess maybe we could do the rap. It's the the rap now. Okay, now it's the rap. Goodbye. I love you. And I can't. If you wanna run, if you wanna jump, you gotta get your left and right ventricles to pump. Through the heart and center of it all. Surprise. Yep. You might just fall down to the ground, which will cause you pain. But that will never happen if you use your brain. Hook, brain, the brain, the center of the chain. That will never happen if you use your brain. Hook. You know who else got a special credit in this film? Who? At the very end, there was a special thanks to... Us? Bethany Buck. What? No. Wait, really? Uh-huh. The wow. Pulp Mancer. The Pulp Mancer, but nobody knows that because it's behind the paywall on our Patreon feed. Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> Fuck. Well, you're going to have to subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. Subscribe it turns to the out Patreon. that there is a... Patreon.com slash BSCC podcast. Hashtag BSCC podcast. I will give you the very brief version of it, Trash Feed, yeah. which is, I apologize, what we call you. There is a secret ghostwriter yeah. called Bethany Buck, yeah. who's a who writes the little mancer. sister books, and she's able to bring Karen to life. She creates the meat Karen. Right. Yeah. And that is exactly, I think, what she has done with this film. She's brought these girls to life in the motion picture. 
Wow, that's very interesting. And of let's, course, of course, had Anne had to call her in. Let's take this convo back behind the paywall. Okay, it's only five dollars a, a month. You should subscribe to our Patreon. It's five dollars a, a month, and it helps us to do the work that we do, and it's yeah. good. And sorry, we call you trash feed. Patreon.com/slash/pscpodcast. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>